Today we are in Lesson 7, The Real Test of Character. And the first item up for bid today in our silent auction is this. Now, if you have seen this before, this is not the time to be a know-it-all. Be quiet. <laughs> On your paper, there is a dollar sign and a line. I want you just to um, tell me, don't tell me, write in American dollars what you would um, bid for this painting. And it's up there. I know the lighting's bad, but I know some of you sit way in the back, so you can't see it as well. So I'll give you a second to write your bid for our silent auction down. We will determine the results today at 10 o'clock Central Standard Time. Now, I need two volunteers. I think we have time for this, but you have to do it quickly. I need two volunteers. You do not have to know a thing about the Bible. God, Jesus, Bible. Thank you. One, come right here. And I need another one. Or she just gets the prize and I tell you thank you so much. And nobody wants to play. What a boring group of people. Thank you. I thought y'all were better than this. I knew you were. Okay, so sit right here. Now this is, this is a competition. And there will be a winner. There will be a loser. None of you can play. Okay, so you're out now. Now this is um, how the game is going to go. This is a coat of many colors, and I know what happened to Joseph's. It got torn and got bloody, and I don't want, I like my coat, <laughs> so it's going to stay in here because the object is not to pull the coat apart, okay? So here's what I'm going to do. I am going to show you up on the screen so you can both see it, right? Are you good? Uh, I'm going to show you the name of, a partial name of a magazine. You are not to yell out the rest of the magazine title. You are to grab the coat. And when you grab the coat, then I will acknowledge you. If you just blurt it out, the point goes to the other gal. If you don't have the coat and you say it, it goes to the other gal. If you're wrong, it goes to the other gal. Okay? It's the best two out of three. I do have a tiebreaker, so if you each get one, there's three total, but we might be done in two. I don't know. Are y'all ready? Oh, yeah. Okay, and your bottom has to be on the chair until I push the thing, okay? <laughs> All right. All you're trying to do is give me the rest of the title of the magazine. Got it? All right, here's the first one. Go. What is it? Better home yeah, you bet it is. Put the coat back. One! All right. Here comes the next one. Are you ready? Is your bottom in the chair? Okay. Ready? Here it goes. Oh. I can see. This is why I wrapped my coat up. What is it? Good house. For the tie, it's one to one. And thank you, ladies, for playing. Well, praying, too. You might be praying. I don't know. Look at it. Lean it forward. The true competition comes out. Last one. Are you ready? Country living. Country living is fine. Southern living is fine. Midwest living is fine. But stay up here because I do have... The better one, and then another one because it was very brave of you to come up. So this is these are again from another country, just as Joseph was. This is Becca's favorite from Czech, and this is my favorite. But you can pick whichever one you want, and then you can have the other because you were both so kind. This is dark chocolate. Um, <laughs> it looks like it. 
Do you like dark chocolate? I do. This is definitely not dark chocolate. Okay. But I accidentally broke it, but it comes in pieces. So. Okay. I'm all right with that. Okay. Chocolate, still chocolate. Thank you, ladies. You are very good sports. Now, I want you all to appreciate not just the title, but look at the taglines I found for these. Look at that. Inspired ideas, what to toss, what to keep, and the glory of fall. Remember that, okay? And we'll come back to both of these at the end of our time together this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. I thank you for the gift of your spirit, who is our teacher. We open our minds and our hearts, our ears, our whole self to you now to teach us whatever it is you want us to learn. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen. Okay, we talked about something last time I was with you. I should have worn a belt, you guys. But I did it, so all morning I'm going to be like doing, a man down by the river. Have y'all seen that? If you haven't, then you're going, what is she talking about? But it's hysterical. That's what I feel like today, the van down by the river. Okay, last time I was with you, we talked about one word. Tell me what it was. Work. Work. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, yes, work. And if you weren't here for that, we laid the foundation for what we're going to talk about today. Um, work is so much a part of Joseph's story. As a matter of fact, you ran into it in the very first day of this week's lesson again. And so today, after the foundation has been laid, and I hope you did take some time to look at those so what, now what questions and think through them um, for yourself. If you didn't, you can still do that after today. Um, And now we're going to kind of dive into women's work. I want to start with creation. That's what we started with with work, um, was creation. And answer the question there on your handout. Just jot some words down. What was God's idea, his ideal? What was his creation like, his vision? Just jot some words down there. Okay, tell me some of your words. What are you writing? Perfect. Perfect, yes. That's the first word I thought of, too. What else? Beauty, yes. Other words? Harmony. Harmony, yes. Perfect harmony, right? Between everything and everyone. I did it in pictures. I don't know exactly how Eden looked, but I had fun putting this together, thinking this in my mind is what Eden must have been like. And what happened? One word. It's little. Three letters. Sin, Sin right? Sin entered, and God loved us so much that he gave us the freedom to choose to love him back, and Adam and Eve did not always choose well. And sin entered the picture, and everything was affected. Adam and Eve's relationship to one another, their relationship to God, and their relationship to creation. Timothy Keller, in Every Good Endeavor, says this is how our work was affected because of sin. Work will be both frustrating and fulfilling, and sometimes, just often enough, human work gives us a glimpse of the beauty and genius that might have been the routine characteristic of all our work, and what, by the grace of God, it will be again in the new heaven and new earth. 
Now, we have many jobs as women, and some specifics, wives, mothers, and more options than what we can talk about today. So before we begin with wives, I just want to say that I know not everyone in here is currently married. I realize that. But maybe this will be helpful to you um, in your family with your sisters or your daughters or your mothers. Um, And if not, just be patient with us as we work through what God's vision is for us as wives. Okay, how does God see me as a wife? We're going to look straight to his word and see what he says. What is God's vision for you as a wife? Let's start in Genesis. I am a companion. And the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion who will help him. I am beautiful, Psalm 45, for your royal husband delights in your beauty. Honor him, for he is your Lord. Again in Proverbs, I am exclusive. Drink water from your own well. Show your love only with your wife. I am a fountain of blessing. Proverbs 5, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Again from Proverbs, I am loving, I am graceful, I am satisfying, I am captivating. All from Proverbs 5:19. She is a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Loving, graceful, satisfying, and captivating. To Proverbs 12, I am worthy. I am my husband's joy and crown. A worthy wife is her husband's joy and crown. A shameful shameful wife saps his strength. From Proverbs 18, I am a treasure. The man who finds a wife finds a treasure and receives favor from the Lord. Proverbs 19. I am a gift from God. I am understanding. I am a reward. Parents can provide their sons with an inheritance of houses and wealth, but only the Lord can give an understanding wife. And then in Ecclesiastes. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you in this world. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Proverbs 31. I am trustworthy. I am enriching. I am a faithful helper. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She will not hinder him but help him all her life. Moving to the New Testament. In 1 Corinthians, I am responsible. I am pleasing. His interests are divided in the same way. A woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be more devoted to the Lord in body and in spirit, while the married woman must be concerned about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. Now, as I look down over that list, I have to ask myself, am I all these things to Ken? Are you all these things to your spouse? What can happen? What happened? What maybe happened this morning when you woke up? What happens? What keeps me from being God's vision for me? It's a little word, three letters. Sin. Sin. 
It's the same thing. I wrote down some on my handout as I was just contemplating why am I not all those things to Ken consistently. I wrote down selfishness, pride, laziness, foolishness, impatience, jealousy. All right, let's move on. What was God's design for me as a mother? How does God see me in my family? We're going to again go to God's word to see this. So let's look in Proverbs 4. I am tender, I am loving. For I too was once my father's son, tenderly loved by my mother as an only child. From Proverbs and 2 Timothy, I am a teacher. Listen, my child, to what your father teaches you. Don't neglect your mother's teaching. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. From Isaiah, I am comforting. Peace and prosperity will overflow Jerusalem like a river, says the Lord. The wealth of the nations will flow to her. Her children will be nursed at her breast, carried in her arms, and treated with love. I will comfort you there as a child is comforted by its mother. From the New Testament, I am gentle, caring, and meeting physical and emotional needs. As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you, but we were as gentle among you as a mother feeding and caring for her own children. You know what? I'm going to ask you the same question. What happened? What happens? What keeps me from being the ideal that God had planned for me and my family? Sin. Sin. It's the same thing. Sin. Without my sin... I would consistently be tender, loving, the perfect teacher, in word and deed, by the way, comforting, gentle, caring, meeting every need of my family. Now, if I'm not a wife, if I'm not a mother, what was God's design for me, his ideal for me? How does God see me? Now, when we looked at work, the book of the Bible that talks the most about work is Ecclesiastes. The most women in the Bible are mentioned in the book of Proverbs. So I want you to listen to some of the women in the book of Proverbs. The strange woman, the loose woman, the harlot, the wife of the youth, evil woman, neighbor's wife, harlot, foolish woman, gracious woman, fair woman without discretion, wise woman, foolish woman, wife, brawling woman, the angry woman, the contentious woman, adulterous woman, odious woman, virtuous woman, or the good wife. The Proverbs 31 woman, you knew we were going to get there, didn't you? You know, if you ever meet her, don't you just want to slap her, you know? (laughs) Me too. Um, About these 22 verses in Proverbs 31, in the Hebrew, they actually form an acrostic. And the first letter of each verse is the letters in the Hebrew alphabet. So it starts Aleph, Beth, Gimel, and it keeps going like that. So in traditional Jewish homes, the husband and the children would recite this poem at the Sabbath table. And since it was written as an acrostic, it was easy to memorize. Now this poem, and again, you can read it if you've never read it before. If you've scribbled it out in your Bible already, you can look online and see it. This is how she's described. A wealthy, 
aristocratic woman with a large household to direct. She was hardworking, enterprising, capable, strong, wise, skilled, generous, thoughtful of others, dignified, God-fearing, serene, a tremendous credit to her husband. She arose while it was still dark. We did too this morning, right? Thank you, time change, right? We, we wake up and it's dark and we go to bed and it's dark. Uh, she looked at a field to consider its merits and purchased it. She wove cloth and made linen garments, which she then sold. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Now, if you read that list, don't miss what she's greatly praised for. And it comes at the very end. Remember all the amazing things she's done. She's pretty remarkable. And this is what she is greatly praised for. Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. After listing all of those wonderful things, it is her relationship with God that she is praised for. Yes, her attentiveness, by the way, to her responsibilities is noticed and rewarded as well. This is God's ideal. This is his vision for me and for you to be a woman who fears the Lord. It was God's ideal for Eve. And this ideal, by the way, doesn't just stop with women. It's the same for men. Take another story in the Old Testament, actually one of Joseph's relatives. Who was Joseph's father? Jacob. Who was Jacob's father? And who was Isaac's father? So remember back to, so this, you can imagine, Joseph heard this story many times in his 17 years before he left. And I bet he thought of it many times while he was alone. Remember when God gave the greatest test that he's given actually to any human other than Jesus. God's the only one who did what he asked Abraham to do, to sacrifice his son. And he, yeah, I, perhaps you remember this story and God calls Abraham to do that. The blessed child of promise that they had waited so long and God says, Sacrifice him to me. So we're going to pick up with the story in Genesis 22, verse 9. When they arrived at the place where God had told Abraham to go, he built an altar, placed the wood on it. Then he tied Isaac up and laid him on the altar over the wood. And Abraham took the knife and lifted it up to kill his son as a sacrifice to the Lord. At that moment, the angel of the Lord shouted to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, he answered, I'm listening. Lay down the knife, the angel said. Do not hurt the boy in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your beloved son from me. Did you hear it? If we would have written that or if I would have left the word blank, you might have thought it said, now that I know that you truly love God. Or now that I know that you truly trust God. This fear word means something different than what you and I know the word today to mean. This was the ultimate test. Skip that. Moses later says to God's people in Deuteronomy, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Look, he requires you to fear him, to live according to his will, to love and worship him with all your heart and soul, and to obey the Lord's commands and laws that I am giving you today for your own good. You see, when one fears God, it's because he knows him by firsthand experience. And then in that experience, he's come to know his love, which results in his obedience. 
and his obedience, faith. It's all intertwined, and it starts, it begins with the fear of the Lord. Look at some of these other verses in Scripture that confirm this to us. God knows the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. Look in Job 28, 28. And I've highlighted the phrase here for us. Psalm 111, 10. Again, the fear of the Lord. Look at Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord, the beginning of knowledge. Look at Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Ecclesiastes, remember we looked at Ecclesiastes and the ultimate, the climax, the end of that whole chapter, excuse me, the entire book. And remember, we made the distinction of life under the sun and life above the sun. This is the conclusion, Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. Abraham passed the ultimate test. He truly feared God. Think back to Joseph whenever he had one of his big tests. He had lots of tests. But one of his tests was whenever Potiphar's wife tried to seduce him. Remember? Do you remember the reason why Joseph gave for not succumbing to the temptation? Yes. Because he said it's a sin against God. Why? Because he feared God. Okay. I want us to look, because that word fear, it's just not the same. So... In in every good endeavor, Timothy Keller describes it so beautifully. This true fear of God means to live in such awe and wonder and in such intense love and respect that you fear to dishonor him or grieve him. So again, this is his vision for me, his ideal, that I would be a woman who fears God. And what happened or what happens every day? It's the same word, people. Sin. Do you see the mess we're in because of sin? The mess I'm in because of sin. Now, there is some really, really incredibly good news. Did you know that you can learn to fear God? I can learn to fear God. The Bible tells me that's true, and it also tells me how. Listen to Psalm 130. But you offer forgiveness that we might learn to fear you. Does that even go together in your brain when you first read it? What has to happen for him to offer me forgiveness? It's the same word. Look at the beauty of that. It is through my sin and his forgiveness to me. That I learn to fear him. That is grace. That is grace right there in the Old Testament in Psalm 130. That's the gospel. You see, my, my sin is initially taken care of by, by Jesus Christ on the cross. And my acceptance of his gift of forgiveness to me. Through the blood of his one and only son. Through the resurrection Where he proved once and for all he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He gives me, he offers me the privilege of being his friend, an actual friend of God. As I take Jesus as my savior and as my Lord. Romans 5. 
When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Go to the end of that passage. So now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God, all because of what our Lord Jesus Christ has done for us in making us friends of God. So my sin is initially taken care of on the cross, and then it is continually taken care of by his spirit living in us, pointing out areas of sin, needing our attention, our confession, our repentance. There's scriptures there on your handout, 1 John 1, 8 and 9. If we say we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and refusing to accept the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from every wrong. I encourage you to read all of Romans 8. I'm going to divert here from what I had originally planned Because I woke up this morning and was going to read to you guys this story from Rebecca's book on Does God Have a Wife? And we won't have time for that one. Um, But as I was reading it, I woke up really early, you know. And so I just kept reading in her book and enjoying just kind of reminiscing of when she was little. I'm a little tender on this. Her wedding video just came out yesterday. And she's gone um, forever, living in another country. Um, but I think I can do this. And if I can't, then, Chris, you hop right up here and you can. You read cursive or are you one of those people that don't know how to read cursive? Because it is in cursive. Listen to sin. Boy, I mean, I just laid there in bed this morning going, wow, Lord, I was so convicted. I just wanted to read you the funny one of, does God have a wife? You are struggling to eat healthy foods. She was a toddler. Dinner time is especially challenging. Many times, let's see, she was four. Many times you are the last one at the table. This was the case this particular evening. Dad went off to play with Taylor. I was in the dining room. I don't like to be out of earshot in case you start choking or need help or something. Ken came downstairs and asked how you were doing. I replied that I didn't know you hadn't said anything. So we went into the kitchen to check on you. He found you throwing your food and your fork in the trash can. Big mistake. He was behind you watching you do this. You obviously were unaware of his presence. He asked you, Rebecca, what are you doing? You must have jumped a mile high. Three exclamation points. Dad went on to talk to you about the wrong you had committed. He had you come and apologize to me. I cooked it. And then had you sit in a timeout to think about what you had done. You apologized and sat through your timeout. I was still in the dining room working at the table when you came in and stood beside me. I said, hi, Rebecca. You said, I really like to sit in your lap. I could tell you were still feeling guilty. I pushed away from the table and said, I like it when you sit in my lap. I lifted you up and you began holding and kissing my face. Well, you can do it. You told me how you love your sweet mama. I told you how I love my sweet Becca. Then you ask, Mama, will I still go to heaven? Aha, the real concern comes out. We discussed how now that you are a Christian, she became a Christian when she was three. I read that this morning too. 
You will go to heaven not because of the good things you do, but because of Jesus dying on the cross for you. It was a precious moment. You were relieved and satisfied. We hugged. You jumped down to go play. That evening when I came in to hug and kiss you goodnight, you held on to me extra long. Then you said, I'm sorry, Mama. I love you, Rebecca. Thank you for the lessons you teach me. I pray that I will be as sensitive to sin as you obviously are. P.S. And yes, Rebecca, you are forgiven. I love you. This is sin. We lose this. I lose this. You know, as we grow older, the seriousness of what sin does to us. You know, it affected our relationship. It, when I read that this morning, it's like, that's First John 1, 9, right? If we confess our sins, he's... We confess our sins to get back in right relationship with him. It doesn't change his love. Was it about the food? Did I care about the food or the fork? No. As a matter of fact, Ken and I were kind of laughing about it, that he walked in right while she was thorny. It reminded me of the Garden of Eden, right? Rebecca, what are you doing? You know, giving her the chance to confess. And he saw it all along, and he still loved her. I still loved her. Okay, we got to keep going. So we will. So y'all need to read Romans 8 on your own. Because I wasn't planning on reading that one. And it's longer than does God have a wife. So uh, God offers you and me forgiveness that we might learn to fear him. That we would be his ideal. All right. A lot of us find that Proverbs 31, gal, a little frustrating and... Um, maybe discouraging, depressing, all those words. Um, But I want you to remember that very capable woman, what was she praised for? Her relationship with God, that she feared the Lord. Proverbs 31.30, charm is deceptive and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Now when you see, thank you, now it's going to sound really bad on the tape, but I have to blow my nose so I don't know how to do this. (laughs) thank you Uh, okay so when you see these you know what was the crazy game about because I want you to remember so when you see these these in the grocery store the better homes and gardens the good housekeeping the southern living I want you to think about what is God's ideal God's ideal is best homes and garden. Only sin can mess that up. My sin. Remember Romans 8. There's a verse in Romans 8 that says, For the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you through Jesus Christ from the power of sin. That's how he wants me to live. In best homes and gardens. And good housekeeping, it's not about good housekeeping. It's about good people keeping. Our homes are the best place that we have the opportunity minute, second by second to love others. To love God and love others. And then Southern living. By the way, how many of y'all get Midwest living? We do not live in the Midwest. Look at a map. It is the north. There's only one more... It, Wisconsin, you're in another country. This is the north. And then if you, look at the, if you look at the map also, it's not even Midwest. If it's mid-anything, it's Mideast. So southern living is what we're going with here. But it's not southern living. What is God's ideal for me? Godly living. 
to be a woman who fears the Lord. Psalm 128, 1 and 2. Listen. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. You will enjoy the fruit of your labor. How joyful and prosperous you will be. This is his ideal for you in your vocation. Now strip it all down. No job, no role, nothing, just me, just me. How does God see me? Back to our silent auction piece. It really doesn't matter what you wrote down because I would never sell this in a million years. Ken heard me speak once. I was using this example, and I said, even if you wrote down a million dollars, I would not. And Ken's like, I would sell it and have him paint another one. I'm like, no, why? Because it's far too valuable to me. Do you know why it's so valuable? It's because of the creator. Oh, it's so far from perfect. If you were up here closer, you could see. Like, he was way ahead of his time. This was our son's very first art project that he ever did. He's in his late 20s now and has two kids of his own. But I framed it. Now, he was ahead of his time. What's that kind of, um, Lori, what do I have on my counters? What's that? Granite. He was way, it's like it's got sparkly granite counters down here. And then it's supposed to be like a, a, a vase of flowers, but there is actually only one flower, and it's kind of seen better days. <laughs> it's wilting. And he's outside the lines here. I can see he did draw the lines, but he's outside the lines. Is it perfect? Is it priceless? Because of the creator. This is how God sees me. This is how God sees me. I am a masterpiece. Look at Ephesians. This is the only scripture I didn't write down for you because I want you to write it down yourself. You write down Ephesians 2. 9 and 10. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are God's masterpiece. So on my handout, I wrote in, Rhonda is God's masterpiece. You put your own name in there. That is how God sees you. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the good things he planned for you long ago. God has good things planned for you to do. God is with you. God is working. And God is trustworthy. May he use you for his glory and his pleasure today in your vocation. Let's pray together. Lord, let me see myself and live as you see me. Use me however you like today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. There are three websites mentioned on the bottom of your handout that if you want to meditate on this more, of your identity in Jesus Christ. And for those of you who may not have made that choice yet, there's a million people here today who would just love to talk to you. Um, But on the bottom, I don't have permission to print those off for you, but I printed them off for two of them off for myself. And it is a beautiful meditation to, to look at what God has in mind when he sees you and how, what you are as a new creation in Christ Jesus. So those are there for you. This is my last time with you.
And I really just want to say thank you. Um, what an honor it's been to get to learn a side of